great to be back with you all. We've had a wonderful lunch. Um, if you didn't get enough, it was your fault, right? Uh, there's plenty there, and I don't know how many baskets we might have taken up afterwards, but there was plenty of food there, and we appreciate and I appreciate it being mentioned. Much we do appreciate our sisters. I told one or two anyway, a universal truth that I have found in my travels, no matter where I go, our sisters can cook. In fact, I've thought, well, if we could start an international chain of restaurants and let our sisters do the cooking, we would have the funds for sending the gospel anywhere we wanted to. I want to say, too, before I begin the lesson, that uh, it's really an honor to be in a congregation that has elders and deacons. And I talked about the great shepherd this morning, but you have two wonderful shepherds here, too. And very thankful for you all, happy for you. I don't get to worship in a congregation where we have that. Uh, I don't know if someday they will. Uh, you know, you never know the future, but... At the present, we have some young people who possibly will grow to that. We have a, a, a few people who we say are just unfortunately not material. They, they're good people. They just miss on some of the qualifications. So, But we're hopeful, and I think it's good to continually pray for that. As I mentioned this morning... Um, Oh, also, and an evangelist. I appreciate. I've learned just this week. Never been around Austin. Little dab at Salford. You know how that is. You, there's no quality time with anybody in those big meetings. But I've enjoyed getting to visit. I really appreciate his heart. Really appreciate uh, the work that he's doing because I hear. Different ones talking about how much they appreciate you. And so it's a blessing uh, to be with you also, brother. As I mentioned this morning, there are times when I'm needing sermons. And I, I like to try to think up things uh, in, a, uh, in advance, like any series I might be able to do. And I started to do a series on Treasures Unseen. I love that song. I know maybe there's some things in there that... Uh, you kind of have to take poetic license with, as there, there are in uh, many songs, really. But, uh, and I'm not going to go over it, but we understand what treasures are. And there are truly a lot of treasures for the Christian that are unseen and un they, they aren't understandable. And so the first uh, part of the series I did I talked about the, the peace that goes beyond all understanding and joy unspeakable, things that we have that people are like, what are you talking about? Don't see how in the world we could enjoy sitting here and listen to some unlearned person try to express some thoughts on a book that, for, as far as they're concerned, is way outdated. We do, we understand, and we enjoy, and we appreciate. As I was thinking on these lines, I thought about some 
treasures that we have that are visible, but often unseen as treasures and uh, unappreciated. And so this afternoon, I want to talk about real friends, true friends. I have, uh, you know, we always have to say, except for my wife, my best friend in the world. I love my wife. You know that. It's a different type of love with a friend. We understand when we say. But the best friend I have in the world is Elias Rodriguez. And I know that we don't communicate real often. We don't have to. We get back together and we go to talking. It's like we start right where we left off. And it's just been an amazing that just happened. You don't choose those friends. But we don't always have the best friend in the world around us, but sometimes we have really good friends that we fail to see as friends at all. In Proverbs 27, verses 9 and 10, ointment and perfume delight the heart, and the sweetness of a man's friend gives delight by hearty counsel. Do not forsake your own friend or your father's friend, nor go to your brother's house in the day of your calamity. Better is a neighbor nearby than a brother far away. If I use this sentence and then wrote for you to fill it in, you know who your real friends are when, and then we probably would think of some things, uh, you know, when we find a time of need. We understand the idea of fair weather friends. Uh, we don't like that. The type of deal when somebody comes over to your house and they're, how are you, how you been and everything, and you're just kind of thinking, okay, 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 what is it you're wanting? They don't know you when they don't need anything. Those are not <coughs> the friends we're talking about. Proverbs 17 and 17, a friend loves at all times. And a brother is born for adversity. Not a one-way street. Job 2.11 Now when Job's three friends heard of all this adversity that had come upon him, each one came from his own place. Eliphaz the Temanite, Bildad the Shuite, Zophar the Namathite. For they had made an appointment together to come and mourn with him and to comfort him. Years ago, one of my best friends was Johnny Watson. We, I was doing my CO work at the time, lived in the area. We did nearly everything together. and We used to talk about when one of us was down, the other one would try to lift him up. Sometimes we'd cheer each other up. Sometimes we'd just sit on the curb and cry together. You know? Sometimes you can say something that helps, and sometimes you, you can't. But... These friends of Job's were not, uh, in this case, not very good friends, were they? Job 12, verse 4, I am one mocked by his friends who called on God, and he answered him, the just and blameless who is ridiculed. Chapter 13, verse 4, but you forgers of lies, you are all worthless physicians. Chapter 16, and verse 2, I've heard many such things. Miserable comforters are you all. 
Chapter 16, verse 20. My friends scorn me. My eyes pour out tears to God. 17 and 2. Are not mockers with me? Does not my eye dwell on their provocation? Chapter 19 and verse 14. My relatives have failed and my close friends have forgotten me. A true friend will have your back. A true friend is one of those who will come to you and very discreetly let you know that there's something on your face. Uh, one that's not so much your friend will say, hey, in front of everybody across the room, need to wipe your nose, bud. But a true friend will come and say, and then stand in front of you, kind of hide as you wipe it off and block you off and let you go on. Sometimes they will defend your motives when an action is misunderstood. Someone accuses you of being rude or whatever the case may be, and they'll have your back and they'll say, well, I know him and I guarantee you he didn't mean it like that. That's a friend that we can count on. First Corinthians 13 verses four and seven, love suffers long and is kind. Love does not envy. Love does not parade itself is not puffed up, does not behave rudely, does not seek its own, is not provoked, thinks no evil, does not rejoice in iniquity, but rejoices in truth, bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Some view their truest friends as their enemies. You don't appreciate it. You don't appreciate the best friends you have. The best friends you have in the world are concerned about your soul. And when somebody loves you enough to talk to you about your soul, you should be thankful that you have such a friend as that. Proverbs 20 and 19, He who goes about as a talebearer reveals secrets. Therefore do not associate with one who flatters with his lips. Some people prefer the false friend who's just going to have their back and no matter what they do, no matter what they say, they're going to pat them on the back, they're going to brag on them, tell them how wonderful they are. They flatter. And flattery is lying. Proverbs 26 and 28, a lying tongue hates those who are crushed by it and a flattering mouth works ruin. Isaiah 30 and verse 10, who say to the seers, do not see and to the prophets, do not prophesy to us Write things, speak to us smooth things, prophesy deceits. Second Timothy 4, 2 and 4. Preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season. Convince, rebuke, exhort with all longsuffering and teaching. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine. But according to their own desires, because they have itching ears, they will heap up for themselves teachers and they will turn their ears away from the truth and be turned aside to fables. True friends will tell you the truth even when it hurts. We all have had friends that very good friends, but if we really wanted to know what people thought of us or something we were doing, Sometimes there'd be that one friend we could count on. They're not going to polish it. 
We can ask them, you know you appreciate that. Now, some, I'm not talking about somebody that just constantly runs you down. I'm talking about somebody you know you can go to and trust and ask their opinion. They'll give you an honest opinion and you, you feel confident in what they tell you. And it's helpful. I've had friends that way too. I, I didn't uh, enjoy doing a lot of things with them, but I, one thing I knew, if I asked them about something I was doing or anything about me, that they would be able to give feedback that I wanted to have from someone that I knew didn't just hate me, I could count on them being honest with me. Those friends are good friends. Paul says in Galatians 4.16, Have I therefore become your enemy because I tell you the truth? Sometimes that happens. It happened to Paul. It'll happen. It can happen to us. 2 Corinthians 12.15, And I will very gladly spend and be spent for your souls, though the more abundantly I love you, the less I am loved. You have to love more than what some people are willing to do. Some friends who act the friendliest to you are not your friends at all. Are they helping you get to heaven? Are they helping your spiritual life? Are they helping you be more spiritually minded? Are they helping you seek things above? Are they encouraging you to be faithful to God? If not, they're not very good friends. Now, we have different friends on different levels. We have friends that we work with. They're work friends, but that's all. We have friends maybe at school, school friends, or wherever we go, those kinds of relationship friends. But we need, in the church, we need some real friends. They care more about these these people who are the friendliest, they care more about making you feel good than where you spend eternity. True friends will fight you and the whole world to try to keep you from going to hell. Your best friend may risk, make himself at risk to warn you about hell, knowing full well you may turn on him like a snake, but they're going to do it because they love you that much. They're willing to be vulnerable. True friends will fight you in order to save you. Proverbs 27 in verse 6, Faithful are the wounds of a friend, but the kisses of an enemy, an enemy are deceitful. Psalm 141 in verse 5, let the righteous strike me, it shall be a kindness. And let him rebuke me, it shall be as, as excellent oil. Let my head not refuse it, for still my prayer is against the deeds of the wicked. Proverbs 9 and 8. Do not correct a scoffer lest he hate you. Rebuke a wise man and he will love you. When I think about this idea, I'm reminded about a uh, a happening in Honduras when we were there uh, in the last few years that we were there. Uh, God allowed us to have some studies with another congregation, 
uh, Cups and Classes congregation. And uh, they, they came to us, they'd come to one of our gospel meetings, and they, the preacher was saying, we need to get together and study. We need to study. So we set up, I believe it was probably Thursday nights uh, each week. And what they wanted us to do, uh, they wanted us to present what we believed. And then they would go home and study that. The next week, they would do questions about what we studied the week before. The following week, they wanted us to present another topic. They would study that. And the following week, ask questions. And so we would continue. We did that. And, you know, you're always, are people going to receive it well? Uh, how, how blunt can you be with the truth? How much can you just let them know what they desperately need to hear, whether they realize that or not? And how much do you temper it? my generation called it water it down to try to make it a little more pleasant. Well, we just, just presented the truth. And they said, okay, we'll take these. They'd take notes or whatever, and we'll go home and we'll study them, come back the following week. And they, they did that. After the, the first week, I forget which we studied first. And then the next week we studied other, either cups or classes. And then it was time for the fifth week. And they came and said, you know that we continue to study these things after we go home. And we've been studying these things and we've decided that you all have the truth. Well, that congregation, God converted that congregation. And of course, we were, felt wonderful to have been there to witness the hands of God working and get to see it. And of course, so much lost in translation, right, in transmitting it, but being there. And so they said, you know, what we've been taught was that when you realize you're in sin, uh, you need to have prayer. And so we need you guys to pray for us. Well, we had prayer. And then, man, we were buddy buddies and friends and everything. And I mean, we've been friendly before, but now we're together in Christ. And we began to just talk. And they said, you know, that first week that we came, they left the sisters at home. It's only the men that came for the studies. And so we went back and we, the wives and all wanted to know, how'd it go, how'd it go, how'd it go? They said, it went great. Said, Who won? <laughs> and this brother said, we did. He said, tell us about it. They told us some places we were wrong and showed us in the scriptures what we needed to do right. That preacher said something that stuck with me, and I pray I have, not just talk about that attitude. But he says, if I'm wrong and someone points it out, I win. And that's why he said, we won. We won because they correct us. They helped us to know the difference. That's accepting wise counsel because that's counsel from God. And that's accepting it and we become very good friends. And so he says, uh, like, let the righteous strike me. It shall be a kindness. When God gives us a good spanking, it's a blessing. When a, a brother or sister, you know, as a preacher, 
we're supposed to point out things. And I have mentioned before that if I'm wrong, I sure hope somebody loves me enough to tell me. Because I really want to go to heaven. A lot more than I want anything else as far as preaching. I don't care who loves me or who doesn't. I want to get to heaven. And I want to try to help others get to heaven as well. And so if I can adapt these thoughts that faithful are the wounds of a friend. I guarantee you, Brother Elias could say anything to me he needed to say. And I'm just going to thank him for it. And so would he. And we all need that kind of friends, a family member or elder or a, a leader in the congregation or just an acquaintance. But somebody who is going to say, brother, I don't think that's good what you're doing. I don't think that's right. I think you need to do better. You that night should get on your knees and thank the God of heaven that there are still people in your life that have not given up on your soul and they want to make sure you make it because those are not very abundant. And of course, the greatest friend of all is Jesus. He loved you and gave his life for you. Galatians 2 verse 20, I have been crucified with Christ it is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. John 13 and 1. Now before the feast of the Passover, when Jesus knew that his hour had come, that he should, soon, should depart from this world to the Father, having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. I've always just, that's just very appealing to me. He loved them to the end. Even, you know, they forsook him. They ran away. And Peter denied him three times. He loved them to the end. He demonstrated the greatest love known. John 15, 13, greater love has no one than this, than to lay down one's life for his friends. Notice Part of the context, 13 and 15. Greater love has no one than this, than to lay down one's life for his friends. You are my friends if you do whatever I command you. No longer do I call you servants, for a servant does not know what his master is doing. But I have called you friends for all things that I heard from my father, I have made known to you. What kind of friends does he have in you? You know, sometimes we are self-centered so much. We're concerned about how I'm treated. How am I treated? That people are not friendly to me. I, I, I used to, I would just get tired of somebody saying and accusing the church of not having enough love. There's just not enough love down there. And my response became... Well, you should have been more loving. The command is to love one another, not be loved by everybody. So you needed to be doing more loving. If you'd been more loving, there'd been more love down there. 
But we think everybody should just bend over backwards and show their love for us. And we don't think about, well, what kind of a friend am I to others? What kind of a friend am I to Jesus? He gave himself for me. What kind of a friend does he have in me? Even one of his apostles betrayed him. Psalm 41 and 9, even my own familiar friend in whom I trusted, who ate my bread, has lifted up his heel against me. In Matthew 26, 21 through 25, and as they were eating, he said, Assuredly, I say to you, one of you will betray me. And they were exceedingly sorrowful. And each of them began to say, Lord, is it I? He answered and said, He who dipped his hand with me in the dish will betray me. The Son of Man indeed goes just as it is written of him. But woe to that one, that man by whom the Son of Man is betrayed. It would have been good for that man if he had not been born. Then Judas, who was betraying him, answered and said, Rabbi, is it I? And he said to him, You have said it. John 13 and 18. I do not speak concerning all of you. I know whom I have chosen. But that the scripture may be fulfilled, he who eats bread with me has lifted up his heel against me. So, do you have the t kind of friends that should be looked at as a treasure? Do you treasure the right people as the friends that they are? And does anybody treasure you as that friend that they need to be able to count on to help them make it to heaven? Proverbs 12 and 26, The righteous should choose his friends carefully, for the way of the wicked leads them astray. Proverbs 27, 17, As iron sharpens, sharpens iron, so a man sharpens the countenance of his friend. 1 Corinthians 15, 33, Do not be deceived. Evil company corrupts good habits. You may have a group of people who show what the world considers great love. There are people who are very lovely. There are people who are very friendly that Satan is using to do the best he can to get you away. Everybody that is the friendliest person in the world to you is not necessarily a genuine friend. Sometimes, rather than just bragging on anything you do, and you know if you're on Facebook, someone will put up a selfie that is absolutely the most hideous thing I've ever seen, and there'll be all these people talk about Absolutely gorgeous. And I was like, what a bunch of liars. It makes them feel good. But if they ever find out your true feelings or you get your eyes fixed, you're not going to feel as good anymore. Why is the world going to that and why would we want it? We see through that, don't we? We can see through that. One of our sisters asked about a dessert she fixed. Was it too lemony? I trust our friendship is as good as it ever was. I said, it was a little lemony. 
to me, thinking of not there as a dessert, thinking of it as a coffee cake, first thing in the morning, just a cup of coffee and a piece of that. I think, yeah, I think that would be a little lemony for me. I love all of you very much. And I knew that if that hurt her feelings at all, she had it coming. No. But I knew she wouldn't have asked, right? And so just, just tell, you know, if it helps, if I, if I cook, I love to cook. Well, I love to eat, but it has to be cooked first. And I enjoy cooking things, and I like to improve. And so when I ask people, how was it, you're going to get a certain amount of people are going to say, whoa, best I ever put in my mouth or something. And then you're going to have people say, well, and then, you know, okay, here comes the truth. Well, and then, you know, the thing is, it's maybe more comforting to just have people build you up, try to build you up and brag on you all the time. And it's good. We all need stroked from time to time. Preachers do too. No, oh, I shouldn't have said that. But, you know, we get discouraged. We get needing a little pumped every now and then, encouraged along the way. We get it a lot of times too. But you need honesty to, to improve. And to be the friend. And when I, I gave this lesson at home, there are people I'm thinking of in the audience even that are out of duty. But they're there. They're attending. They're not right. And oh, they get all upset if anybody acts like they're not all right. And I just wanted them to know that a genuine friend will fight them, their family, and the whole world if necessary to try to save your soul. That's a friend. Indeed. I hope that you have friends you can count on like that in your life. And I hope others have you as a friend like that in their life. And so if you have a friend who you know they love you. You know, if I didn't love you, I wouldn't care if you were going to hell. But how can I be your friend and not try to help you be stronger, be better, do better, correct this or correct that? How can I live with myself and, and think we're great friends? Need to be genuine friends. Blessed are the wounds of a friend. Precious are the wounds of a friend. Pray that the things that we've said tonight, uh, this afternoon, are encouraging. Be that friend. You know, sometimes we talk about be the blessing. We talk about have a blessed day and stuff like that a lot. 
But as you go out, be the blessing. People need a blessing so much, so many ways. Be that smile. Be that happy Christian. I, I really believe this. I believe that when we go to other places, when I go to someplace else to preach, in other countries and all, Elias and I, when we're studying the Bible with people, we are dead serious. But when we're just hanging out and having talk, conversation with friends, we have a great time. We both cut up. We kid. I know that's shocking to you probably, but I tease people sometimes. And we have a good time. We're happy. And I think people need to see that you can be a Christian and be happy. I really do. But at the same time, you can't be happy knowing somebody so close, so dear to your heart is not in a safe condition and not want to hurt their feelings, though, so you don't say anything. You're not even a good friend to them. They need you to be more than that. They may abuse you. They may bite the hand that feeds them. They may try to punish you. That's just simply Satan taking advantage of their attitude, trying to tell you to shut up. Don't tell me that anymore. Don't listen to Satan. You keep on. As long as there's life, there's hope. And we keep on. And we have to keep on. When you can do it lovingly, there's a right way and a wrong way a lot of times, you know, in saying things. We wanted to try the best way that we can. And in evangelism years ago, I remember someone told the story of a guy that heard a, an encouraging lesson about trying to help people get to heaven to study the Bible and everything. He was a barber. And uh, so this guy was getting a shave, and he's got that razor up there back in the old days when they used those straight razors. And he's getting ready to go on his throne and says, are you ready to die and go to heaven? And that's not the best time to say something that way. But, but the idea, are you ready? Is it well with your soul? Are you okay? I had a friend from... Before I met Cynthia, living with around single guys in Oklahoma City, there was one of the guys, such a cool guy, you know, just he had a road runner. And, and I mean, he was just cool. When he got married, then his wife ran off on him. And he left the church and was out for a long time. I was in a meeting in San Antonio. He came in, and after a hard life away from God, I would never have recognized him. He introduced himself to me, and I, oh, man, it was good to see him. But after service, I got to thinking, I, I hope he is back. And I looked him up, and I went to talk to him, and I said, it's really good to see you and everything, but I've got to know, are you back with the Lord? He says, yes. Oh, wonderful. Wonderful. But I had to know. Those were friends. You can't fail 
your friends. You've got to help them. Brothers and sisters in Christ. Anybody that's close to your heart. Family members. Whoever it is. But you know, family members are friends too. You know. Have a friend relationship. We've got to be willing to risk not being accepted the way we would hope because we have to say because we want to be that friend. How's it with your soul tonight? Are you ready for judgment? Are you ready for judgment? We're all headed to judgment. In fact, we've never been closer than we are right now. And one day we'll be there and give an account. Are we ready? If you're not this afternoon, right now, I know you know some reason, something that's got you a guilty distance from God. I don't know. Nobody's put any bugs in my ear. I just know that's the case. If we know, if we would say, I'm not ready to meet Christ in judgment. There's something in our life that we know why. If that's the case with you, please think about it. Not just because I'm here, but because right now is what you've got. Now is the accepted time. Now is the day of salvation. Yesterday was still available. That'd be the time. But it's gone. Tomorrow Who knows? Will we be here? Will we be alive tomorrow? Will there be a tomorrow? We don't know. No promise. But you have right now. And you can make your soul ready. Get your soul ready for the inevitable. Think about it. If you need to make something, not trying to cause you to have some emotional reaction and just feel like you ought to do something, want to do something. But if you're not in a safe condition this afternoon, please give it serious thought while we stand and sing the song selected.